Welcome to the Jag Bros Podcast. We are three diehard Jaguar fans, three brothers who love the Jaguars. And of course, on a day like today, we are fired up. I'm one of your hosts, Jack, along with my two brothers, JT and Joey. And talk about a bounce back game, a statement game. We defeat division rival, the Tennessee Titans, 34 to 14. We're, of course, going to break down our offensive performance, our defensive performance. We're going to look at special teams and coaching. We're going to say a big happy Thanksgiving to all of you, our amazing listeners, our amazing Jaguars fans. But JT, you are at the game cheering on the Jaguars in Everbank Stadium. Go ahead and give us the overall feel and lead us into some game balls. Oh, it was fantastic being back at the bank on Sunday afternoon. Shout out to the Holzhauser family for uh, giving me a ticket and for allowing me to uh, enjoy the festivities and the game day experience with you guys, Andrew and Eric and family. It was an awesome time. And you know what? The the stadium was great. The weather was perfect. Kind of sunny and warm, actually, for a late November game. But overall, a pretty good experience. I would say very, very few Titans fans there. I I maybe saw a a dozen or so, but the Jaguar fans were loud. The Jaguar fans were full, uh, and it was just a great day to celebrate at the bank. Yeah, it was awesome to see Calvin Ridley catch that first touchdown to get us off 7-0. to And just to hear the roar, even on the TV screen, I could just tell people were fired up. We finally scored a touchdown in the red zone. Calvin Ridley makes a big play, and it was awesome to hear the the Jaguars roar. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and when we're talking about game balls, I think the first one has to go to Calvin Ridley. Seven receptions, over 100 yards, and two touchdowns. That's the type of production that, that I think a lot of Jack fans were hoping to see. We've seen it in bits and spurts, and you know that he has that potential. So it's great to see, and he was probably inches away from getting a third touchdown um, there in the third quarter as well. So really outstanding performance for him. Who else was worth mentioning there for a game ball perspective? I'm going to go ahead and give my game ball to someone that I actually uh, went to college with and knew, Ross Matstiff, the long snapper for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wow. I would be mentioning his name on this podcast, but to go down there as the long snapper, run down the field, tackle him, strip the ball, and recover your own fumble— I was very impressed by Ross. He did an incredible job. Uh, I hope he listens to the podcast. We used to play basketball together back at Baylor. So really, really proud of him. And he definitely deserves my game ball for this game. That's cool. Well, shout out to him for sure. And the third and final game ball certainly has to go to Trevor Lawrence. The captain of the offense was awesome. I don't know if you guys saw it, but Monday morning, he bought the whole front office of the Jaguars Waffle House. That has now become, of course, a Jaguars tradition after he did that in that amazing, epic comeback performance last year in the playoffs against the Chargers and celebrated at Waffle House. And he was brilliant. Four touchdowns, two passing, two running, and zero turnovers. So love what I saw from Trevor Lawrence on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he can afford to pay uh, some money for the Waffle House, considering I'm sure he's still going to be getting that fat paycheck here at some point in the offseason. So uh, really great to see. Seems like a great team leader. 
And we've been hard at him at times, but that's mainly because we have high expectations for what he can be. And unfortunately, due to the offensive line play and some of the other uh, scenarios around him, he's going to have to play at that elite level in order to really achieve some of the goals that we're trying to achieve with Jacksonville. Yes, Trevor played exceptionally well, and it looked like he was getting better throughout the game. Uh, At the very beginning of the game, it looked like he was underthrowing some of his deep balls and a little shaky at a moment, but once he kind of had that touchdown under his belt, he really got into the groove and started to slice up that Titan secondary, which I love to see. Uh, Let's go ahead and break down the offense, how they did against this Titans defense. Talk about a turnaround getting just completely shut down last week against the 49ers. Of course, a huge difference in defenses going up against the Titans defense, but still you were nervous. I mean, I was nervous going into this game of will the Jaguars offense be able to figure it out? And I'm not saying I'm hundred percent sold on the offense after this game, but this was one of the best offensive games that we saw again, 34 points after a tough first drive scored on five straight drives. We were converting touchdowns a lot more often, even though it was funny to see every touchdown was either diving into the end zone or toe tapping uh, Calvin Ridley. And so it seems like every touchdown is so close, a quick review. But anytime you score 34 points in the NFL and you get to bench your starters at the end of the fourth quarter and rest them, that's a great game for the offense. Yeah, I was sitting in the stadium and I said, you know, I've been to this, ga- I've been to Jaguar games for a long time. And it's been a really long time since I can remember we were benching our starters in an NFL regular season game when we're actually up, not when we're down by 30 or 40, but when we're actually up. So it felt great to see Trevor, as you guys said, had a fantastic day. Um, he was 24 32, 262, two touchdowns through the air, two touchdowns on the ground. And one of the things that I noticed too, as um, just being in the stands is, is seeing what the receivers were doing and seeing what Trevor was being able to see. Cause you don't always get to see that from the broadcast perspective. And it felt like in the second half of the game in particular, our play actions were, were freezing their team. Well, and Trevor was really looking deep. There's a lot of times where he's looking at some of those options. Now, sometimes he hit them and sometimes they were covered, but it was pretty clear that we're trying to press the ball considering coming into that game. He was 26th in the league for average depth of target. Um, So that means uh, how far down the field is he throwing it? And I saw another stat that we were actually the lowest NFL team in average depth of route run. And so I don't know if that's because Zay Jones was back or if because we we made some tweaks from an offensive play calling perspective. But this is the type of offense that I think a lot of Jag fans were hoping to see this year. Joey, shout out to you for calling, you know, in our score predictions, each of us predicted the Jags to win, but Joey, you predicted the Jaguars offense to get back on the right track, to have a nice double digit win. And you also called some offensive line changes. So what did you love from that perspective on Sunday? Yeah, I uh, loved seeing, uh, I saw Ezra Cleveland got uh, some snaps. He didn't play the entire game, but it looked like he was doing almost like a rotational thing with Little. I didn't mind. It allows Little to rest, and they're both kind of learning the position. Ezra's played the position, but he's learning the Jaguars, and Little has been with the Jaguars, but is learning the position. So having them switch out, it 
seemed to have worked. The offensive line played a lot better. Uh, so I really liked seeing that, having them protect Trevor. Trevor seemed to have almost two extra seconds to throw the ball, which is a lot of time in the NFL. It, it felt better. And then Zay Jones needs to never leave this offense because it is obvious that our wide receivers can't get open without him also being on that field, taking off some of the double coverage that Calvin Ridley has. Because when Zay Jones is there, Calvin Ridley has had over 100 yards each game. It's very important that he's here. So it was great to see Zay Jones back, even though he didn't have that many yardages or catch. But it was nice just having them there having the defense have to keep an eye on him and then working him back into this offense because we didn't want to go out and have him get a bunch of balls right away because he's been gone for what six weeks almost maybe more yeah it was great to have him back and and, and certainly seemed like part of the reason to open up our offense he did draw some penalties as well. I think he finished with about 20 or so receiving yards, but drew some defensive holdings and pass interferences as Ridley did, but wanted to give some even more love to Trevor Lawrence. We've already been heaping on the love today, but he deserves even more because on Sunday he passed over 10,000 yards career passing already, making him the third youngest quarterback in NFL history to hit that mark. And I'm going to be honest, I looked it up, so I'm at an advantage but i'm gonna guess y'all two would never guess the other two quarterbacks to hit 10,000 passing yards before or younger than trevor lawrence do y'all want to guess sure i would guess man you have to have somebody that came out early in the nfl and it's probably somebody more recent uh just based off of this so i'm gonna throw out andrew luck no not andrew luck i'm gonna have my first guess uh justin herbert no, see, y'all are going for successful NFL quarterbacks. Think a little bit less successful. One of them Cam is Newton? very recent. Cam Newton? No, not Cam Newton. Jameis Winston? One of them was famous Jameis Winston. He actually just had his jersey retired at Florida State this Saturday. And then the other one was Drew Bledsoe. Of course, perhaps wow. most famous for being the quarterback before Tom Brady. When Bledsoe gets hurt, Tom Brady goes in as a starting quarterback. But most importantly, a big shout out to Trevor Lawrence getting to 10,000 yards. It's a big deal. Hoping, cheering that he's going to hit significantly more. Just to put it in perspective, Tom Brady leads the NFL in career yards at 89,000. So let's go ahead and make 100,000 for Trevor Lawrence by the end of his career as a Jaguar. And with also hitting 10,000 yards for Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence also became the first quarterback in the Jaguars franchise to throw two touchdown passes and run for two touchdowns. So a big game for Trevor Lawrence during this game, setting two uh, records. And so let's shift to the position players, starting with the receivers. We've already mentioned how successful Calvin Ridley was, uh, who had seven for 103. Zay Jones, while not quite as productive as Joey, you mentioned four for 20. It was really nice to be able to add him in. And, and he certainly threatens the defense much more than Tim Cooks did. Um, Christian Kirk had a slower game with only three of 48. Uh, but it's also nice to see Luke Farrell and, and some of these additional two tight end sets that we were able to run with Zay Jones back because it seemed like with Zay Jones out, 
we were running 13 personnels, meaning one tight end and three wide receivers, almost 75% of the time. And I feel like that's, uh, I feel like Doug Peterson probably wants that closer to 60% of the time. Um, and, and I think we were probably, and I don't have those stats yet on what we specifically ran against the Titans, but it did feel like we were able to run more heavier packages. We like Zay Jones out there more frequently when there's two tight end sets. And so really, really nice game call. And you know what? We were pretty hard on press Taylor last week. And, and maybe it was just a symptom of the fact that a, the 49ers are really good. And B, we didn't have our full complement of weapons on offense that really makes the offense start to hum a little bit better. Yeah, and let me jump in here because I think it's important, which I think we did a good job of this last week, which was, of course, we got blown out by the 49ers. And it's easy to ride the pendulum. It's easy to have recency bias and to think, okay, we scored 34 points. Our offense is good to go. And I'm not saying any of us are saying this, but... What we need to see, of course, now is consistency. So let's see if we can string it together. But I do like your point, JT, of I felt like as well we had more variety in our offense. And so that was great to see from Press Taylor, from the play calling. And I think it's a reason our offense didn't get stuck, where a lot of times I felt like we kept getting stuck in second gear instead of being able to shift to third, fourth, fifth gear. We were able to keep the ball moving down the field. We were able to convert on third down. In fact, one of the biggest plays was that conversion on fourth and four on about the, the Titans 40-yard line where we saw a third string running back, Dearness Johnson, make one of the plays of the game, getting a 34-yard reception. And so... Love to see him more involved as well. And he had a good game with 54 total yards too. Yeah, I don't think Dearness Johnson is the third string running back anymore. It very much seemed like he was running number two and Tank was the, the third string. He didn't come in until that fourth and one. But I was glad to see Tank get some confidence back. Even though he was stuffed behind the line, he still pushed past and got the first down. And he also had another hard run that he had so i was like i like seeing them still giving him a chance and still kind of earn that confidence back because he definitely needs some confidence and anyone who's worried about etn's production today i would say don't be one we had actually bigsby and dearness johnson combined for more carries than than etn and i think that was planned not only because we were winning the game but but also because we want to save him for ideally a playoff run in the winter. And the other thing is the Titans still are an above average run defense. We talked about last week that, hey, for the most part, the Titans are really middle of the road uh, defensively. And it's true. They're slightly worse on a pass defense, but they're still hovering right around top 10 from a run defense perspective. And so they're not really going to give you a ton. And so the fact that he still had 14 for 52, as well as um, some production through the air, I, I think we're fine. Uh, some fantasy owners are probably used to ETN scoring one to two touchdowns every game. And so obviously there's some regression there but uh i didn't see anything that concerned me about how etn ran the ball no not at all and the only difference was trevor got those rushing touchdowns instead of travis but who cares who gets them because as long as the jags are winning that's all that matters i know that you want them for the fantasy football but you know what i much rather just have the jags win than one jaguar get a bunch of fantasy points and then them lose 
Yeah, I actually think it's a really good thing. You know, we felt like after the 49ers game, man, the whole offense revolves around ETN. So seeing more sparks from, of course, Calvin Ridley, seeing sparks from Trevor Lawrence and other guys in the offense limits and takes away some of that pressure from ETN. And what helps significantly, and we have to give a shout out to them as well, is the big guys up front, our offensive line, only giving up one sack for negative one yard. So not even a big sack or a big loss on the play and just giving Trevor a lot more time. Part of the reason he was so successful in that game was he finally had some time in the pocket. So well done by the offensive line was good to see Cleveland out there and a very good game from our guys up front. Yeah. And that sack, it wasn't even a real sack. It was one of those where Trevor scrambled and he just ran out of bounds minus one yard. So it counts as a sack, but that's not a a traditional sack. Yeah, the offensive line played well today. We saw once or twice the what we were begging for is to see what Ezra Cleveland looked like at left guard. We saw that for a few drives. Not uh, Walker Little still played the majority of the snaps at left guard. It feels like we have more success running off the left-hand side of the ball, regardless of which guard is in the game. Shout out to Cam Robinson. I think he had a really, really nice game. And Anton Harrison... The way watching him, I know he had a huge whiff on a third or fourth and short um, there, which allowed uh, Tennessee to stuff us uh, up the middle. He seems to right now play well enough against solid to below average pass rushers. But anytime we go up in class, it's not that he's like bad. He's really, really bad against the, the, the best of the best right now. And so... We're, we're, we won't see that against Houston, but we will see that a few times down the stretch. So we're going to want to see what we can do. And like one area for improvement, I still would love to just see, just see what would it, the offensive line look like with Cleveland at left guard and Walker Little at right tackle and Harrison taking a couple of series off. Let's just see if it works because like that to me, almost like, I think you go from like a bottom five offensive line to potentially average. Uh, with a couple of those changes, but look, they know more than we do. And I just would like to see it like that. That to me makes a ton of sense, but we'll see what happens. Uh -uh. Bad take. Uh, Sorry, JT, but Anton Harrison has not played uh, that badly. He had one or two missed uh, blocks this game, but he's going up against Simmons. Who's one of the best defensive tackles. And he's up there with Chris Jones and Buckner. He's one of the best D tackles and you're going up against a rookie, like just having one to two whiffs is actually really good for a rookie. Like you're not going to win every single time. Your win rate hopefully is around 70 to 80%. He was terrible against most of those people you referenced. Jack, didn't you say Chris Jones set the record for like most amount of times he beat? Yeah, he had uh, had a seven. That's the second game he's ever played in the NFL, and he went up against the best D tackle. Okay, well, then he wasn't great against Nick Bosa either. What? What? What do you mean? What? Nick Bosa was was in the was in the backfield. It felt like every single play when he, when he was lined up against Harrison, literally eight days That's because ago. Because Nick Bosa is the most paid defensive player. These are literally you're giving your people who are rated like ninety nine and ninety eight. Like you're going up against a rookie tackle. Obviously, he's not going to play amazing, but he's holding his own. He's doing well. He's getting better every game. 
Like, what do you want? I just want to see what it would look like. Because to date, Walker Little has played better right tackle than Harrison. Has Harrison improved? Yes. Is Harrison a rookie? And does he have a higher ceiling? Potentially. I don't know. Soon to be seen. But every time he has stepped up in, in class, he has not done as well. Look, maybe you're right. Maybe he will be better than right tackle. I just want to see what it looks like in a game time experience because to me, it still feels like putting Ezra Cleveland starting at left guard over a guy who's literally started two games at left guard ever uh, to, to, to just let him play that position, let Walker Little play right tackle and and see what happens. If it doesn't work, great. You still have a right tackle who you drafted first round and yeah, he's played fine against most average players when he steps up in class no knock against him especially where he's at in his career i think chris jones even said that he'd be a very very good right tackle but as of right now his production is not where it needs to be and that's just simple considering how bad the offensive line is played not where it needs to be he's not the problem who is Luke Fortner, go watch our offensive line. Go watch him back. The amount of patty cake play that Luke Fortner has, and when he's not even blocking anyone, and he's just kind of putting a hand on whoever the left guard or right guard's blocking, he's not getting in there and pancaking the guy. He is atrocious, I think. I know that Doug Peterson, for some reason, really likes him, but I think he is an extremely below-average center. He's very weak. He doesn't block very well. He has more whiffs than anyone, and he's the center who needs to be the one who's whiffing the least amount. So you're over here arguing about right tackle. Right tackle's fine. It's not perfect, but he's a rookie, and he's doing well. You need to affect the center. Luke Fortner is not good it's just plain and simple that's why we can't run it up the middle the guards help a little bit but the most push comes from the center you want to know why the eagles are so good at running it up the center it's because jason kelsey is one of the best centers and definitely one of the best blocking centers there is that is where you get your push up the middle and we have no push because luke fortner is not good enough so you want to talk about moving people around that is the only person that would and should be moved around. The only problem there is it's a very difficult position to transition. Garden tackles a little bit easier. And we even saw this with the Titans, right? They had their backup center in. And what does he do? He has several bad snaps, one of them turning into a fumble in this game. No, yeah, I, I understand. I'm not saying that they need to do it this season. Maybe next season looking at uh, drafting someone or a free agent. But as of right now, yeah, there's no point of taking him out. He's doing fine enough to, to finish the season out. There's no one really that we could do except for Shatley. And I'd rather stick with what we know than rolling the dice with Shatley, who hasn't played center in a couple of years uh, and hasn't played it really with Trevor. So I'd rather stick with the center that Trevor's most comfortable with. But at the offseason, that's when you, we need to start looking at a possible change at center. Yeah, and and agree, agree that the center hasn't played great, but if you look at some of the rushing yardage breakdown um, by success, it's the left side of the ball that is is almost three to one on the right hand side, uh, and actually the center has been relatively successful so far from a run game perspective. The weakest spot right now from a Jaguar run perspective, it has been the right tackle position. 
So uh, that's according to a lot of the analytics right now. And so, yes, there's, there's some improvements that could be made on the offensive line. Yes. There could just playing together. Cohesion uh, can make a difference too, but we'll see what happens in the, in the games moving forward and how this unit continues to play against some of the better teams will play in the second half of the year. I'm just going to put that, uh, put this in here is that Anton Harrison right now is considered one of the best rookie offensive linemen that came out of this draft. So, I I mean, I don't know what else you want. Well, and we should say overall too, again, I know we're getting heated here, but the offensive line performed very well on Sunday. So we need to give them a ton of credit and it'll be something hopefully for them to build on going in against the Texans and into the end of the season. But let's flip fields now. Let's talk about our defense because a beautiful game called by Mike Caldwell, a very well executed game plan where we completely shut down the Titans in the first half, zero points. We get one turnover on defense, one turnover on special teams and hold them overall to 14 points and a a garbage touchdown. So great performance from our defense. What did y'all think about our defensive performance on Sunday? The defense was absolutely dominant. Uh, Love to see them come back to form, uh, the form that we've seen in almost every game so far, getting turnovers they really were getting after will levis which i love to see even if we weren't getting that many sacks they were definitely pressuring him a bunch still hitting him really hard just in his face never comfortable he didn't have time enough to throw it deep like he normally does the only way they could get him time was to run a like double reverse trick play to get him a little extra time to throw it deep and honestly if we didn't have the horrible quarterback roughing the passer uh, penalty, I think we have a shutout uh, because if that didn't extend that play, then they kick it. And I think our defense stays on top of them and we go scoreless or we make Tennessee go scoreless against us. But unfortunately they called a roughing of the passer on chase on who I felt really bad because chase on doesn't get that many chances to get his name called out. And then to have that flag thrown on him, that that was a really good rush by him. And I did not believe in that call at all. Yeah. Defense played dominant. Exactly right. A, a yes, they gave up two touchdowns. Um, and Joey already outlined the first one. Uh, but to me that the key stat is that Derrick Henry was 10 for 38. And now he certainly has lost a step um, this year. He's not put up the numbers that he typically does, but every time he touched the ball as a Jags fan, I hold my breath because there's so many games where he's ran for 200 or 150 plus yards against this, our defense. And so to shut him down and then to do exactly what we talked about, Will Levis was, he's a guy who likes to throw in and around the line of scrimmage to the sidelines, which we saw a lot. And he throws a really nice deep ball, which unfortunately we got beat on twice. Um, But outside of those two plays, one of which was a trick play, the defense gave up pretty much nothing. We're all over them uh, crashing on the, the screen passes and giving up very, very little through the air. And on the ground, and then we still kept Cisco and uh, some of our safeties help over the top, taking away the deep balls that Will Levis was hunting because he wanted to be able to throw those six or seven times this game. Yeah, another incredible game called by Mike Caldwell. He has been one of the best defensive coordinators. The entire defense has outperformed any and all expectations this season. And so hats off to him. I know that he is going to have a lot of job offers 
or he should have a lot of job offers just from how well he has coached this defense taking away what the other team's offense wants to do and yet again frustrating the opposing team. And here's what we said. Look, Will Levis, that first game as an NFL quarterback was incredible. Four touchdowns, zero picks. And since then, he struggled. He's played more like a rookie. And we got pressure on him. We forced him to make mistakes. He has that fumble and a bad snap. He has that dropped interception. Oh, I wish Monteric Brown could have picked that off in the second quarter. But overall, in the first half, Will Levis has six completions for 40 yards. That is an abysmal performance. I know people were joking on social media saying that he's going to get pulled, that he's going to get bent. Mayo boy can't get it done. And so a great job, especially in the first half. It felt like the Falcons game where we just completely shut down the other team's offense, seeing two sacks from our defense as well. And hey, I think we've unlocked something with Aluakon's pass rush. He had another half sack, of course, getting two sacks last week against the 49ers. What do you all think about Aluakon coming on the blitz and, and getting some sacks? I loved seeing it. Um, we all thought that we needed uh, more rush out of our linebackers. And I think everyone thought it was going to be Lloyd who did it because he kind of did it back in college. But it's been Foye uh, who's really done well at really good at seeing the holes in the offensive line and filling them. And that's why he's so good at tackling the run. But on the pass, he sees the hole and is able to scoot through and go get the sack. So uh, love that he's able to have that ability to do that. And I love to see it more. I'm having a feeling he could end the year with six sacks maybe and be top third person on the defense with sacks. Yeah, him and Herndon both seem to have a knack for the for blitzing. Both are very good. It is a skill. Not everybody has that, especially at a linebacker or cornerback position. Uh, and so really nice to see. And, and the fact that we're starting Buster Brown uh, with Campbell being out again, and and he's and he really held up pretty well. I know that one ball deep to Chris Moore, he got seemed like a little bit turned around, but and I think he missed an open field tackle on a third down play where we could have got them off the field. But look, I mean, we're nitpicking here. If those are really the only two or three plays that we could even say were potentially negative on the defense, outstanding side, outstanding job um, really by the entire unit. Yeah. And let me give some love to, to our pass rushers. So Josh Allen had another half sack combining with Cisco on a blitz and so that was a beautiful play and really saved us three points. The Titans were sitting there right in field goal position on third down sack for minus seven, eight yards to kick them out and force them to punt. And that is sack number nine and a half for Josh Allen. And so he is slowly creeping up on a Jaguars franchise record, which Calais Campbell set in 2017 back in Saxonville days when he had 14 and a half. So he's got a real shot at taking down that franchise record this season. And then Trayvon Walker with a half sack as well, a pass deflection at the line and just some great power rushes, some great bull rushes from him. He is starting to get a lot more momentum, especially in the pass rush. It was very nice to see our pass rush seems to really be getting solidified. Uh, it seems to be a more consistent thing. Uh, they're not having just flashes. They're really starting to affect the quarterback, and we're going to need this going into uh, the rest of the games this season. Uh, it's going to be huge against C.J. Stroud, who's also a rookie quarterback. Uh, we need to make him look like a rookie quarterback. But we'll get into that next episode. The defense 
I just want to give you praise again with how well you've been playing. And we need you to keep it up because you are the star of this team right now. One final note would be on special teams and coaching. Again, hats off to each and every coach. Doug Peterson, Press Taylor, one of the best offensive performances we've seen this year. Coach Caldwell, yet again, drawing up an incredible master plan for our defense. And one more key stat was just owning the time of possession. The Jaguars own the ball 13 more minutes than the Titans with 36 and a half minutes to their 23 and a half minutes. And so well done to our special teams. Well done to coaching. I think you'd have to give every performance an A, offensive, defense, and coaching, and special teams. And if you caught this in the press conference, Titans head coach Mike Vrabel said this, and I quote, that Jacksonville is a better football team, they're better coach, and they simply have a better team. So you always love to hear that from the other team, that you're better coach, better team. So well done by the Jaguars. And hey, it's also Thanksgiving week. So thank, happy Thanksgiving to all of you all. A fun but sad trivia is the Jaguars are the only team to never play on Thanksgiving Day. but if we keep winning like this, turning it from one and two to now seven and three and building a dynasty, I guarantee you'll see some Jaguars football on Thanksgiving Day. But I do hope from all of us, you have an amazing Thanksgiving this week. Thank you, Jack, for the Thanksgiving well wishes. We will be traveling to Houston for this next game. Uh, so you'll be hearing from us at the stadium. Uh, me and Jack will be there. And we now end this uh, episode with 7-3 and three record. We're playing really well. We're still number one in the AFC South, even though Houston's knocking on our door. So we need to make sure that we go to Houston and punch them in the face and make sure that we make a bigger gap of our reigning prince that was promised Trevor Lawrence to lead the AFC South because it is not C.J. Stroud. It is all about Trevor Lawrence even though the media won't be talking about it. Uh, so until then, we will see you next when we break down the Houston versus Jaguars game. As always, do, 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 do.